Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett thanking you for listening today on the broadcast. And as I say, most every Friday, it is Friday, but Sunday's coming. And I want to encourage you to worship the Lord this Lord's Day. And uh, we're going to be meeting at the Hickory Ridge Community Church, 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. And I'd love to have you come. Uh, We are still doing drive-in church. So if you feel a little bit uh, apprehensive about going to church on the inside, why don't you come to drive-in church at 9 o'clock? You just pull into our back parking lot. Uh, You can tune in to the radio station that we have set, 104.9. Or you can roll down your windows or step out of the car. Uh, We have loudspeakers that are set up. So you'll hear the message. You'll hear and be able to worship with us together. Man, I'd love to have you out there. Some of our people put up these little canopies and they get under the canopy to get out of the sun. But rain or shine, we do drive-in church at 9 o'clock and then we do inside worship at 11 o'clock. I would love to see you this weekend. Well, I just want to give a few concluding thoughts about how I manage my anger. And we learned from yesterday's broadcast is I must remember the results of uncontrolled anger. You know, the Bible says a hot-tempered man gets into all kinds of trouble, makes bad decisions, and he quits on his job, he quits on his marriage, and he quits everything in the heat of that anger. So remember the results of uncontrolled anger. Secondly, we encourage you to rehearse before you react. You know, anger actually alienates people. Uh, Sometimes when you yell and get angry at somebody, for the moment, people are going to comply just out of fear. But in the long run, you lose because anger alienates. So before acting, rehearse. The Bible says that a stupid man gives free reign to his anger, but a wise man waits and he lets it grow cold. Just wait. Just wait and count to 10. I think it was Ben Franklin who said, you know when you're angry, count to 10 before you respond. He said, when you're really angry, count to 100. Now, if you're like me, I have to count to 100 a lot before I respond. The third thing we learned about anger yesterday in the broadcast, and I wanted to share it again today, is that before we respond, we should rehearse, remember the results of uncontrolled anger, and then number three, restrain your remarks. Proverbs 21, 23 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. Somebody once said, blowing your stack only creates air pollution. It doesn't do a lot of good. A sharp tongue is the quickest way to cut your own throat. Use sweet words because you may have to eat them eventually. Watch what you say. The problem is that words come very easily out of our tongue when we are angry. That adrenaline is flowing. I discover when I get angry, I'm brilliant, right? Sometimes I can think of the most sarcastic and hurtful things to say, but it's going to cut myself off too. You have to watch what you say. Have you ever yelled something out and immediately regretted it? Proverbs says if you're smart, you will restrain your words. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh word stirs it up. Jesus reminded us that the fruit of the Spirit is patience. What do you do with the anger that is within you? Do you push it down? Well, that's not real healthy. When you swallow your anger, then your stomach will keep score. If you don't talk it out, you're going to take it out. You'll take it out on your body in all kinds of problems. And then you have to take things for ulcers. I think it has a lot to say about our society. When you hear, that burns me up, that phrase, that burns me up, 
There are biochemical changes in our body when we swallow our anger. It's not what you eat that's eating you. It's what you are thinking that is eating you. So don't repress it. On the other hand, don't express it. Some people get angry and they just kind of like, like vomit on people. Maybe they feel better, but nobody else does. Not too good for the relationships, is it? There is some psychology today that says to vent your anger. You know, that's a great way to destroy relationships because anger always alienates. So what do I do? If you don't repress it, if you don't express it, the Bible says you confess it. Admit it to the Lord. Unload on the Lord. Colossians 3.8 says, but now you must put them away. How do you put them away? By confessing them. And these are the things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, put it away from your mouth, confess it. Ephesians 4.32, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, isn't that a powerful lesson? Forgive others as we have been forgiven. Well, in the remaining moments of our broadcast today, I want to share with you six ways that you can be a great friend. Overcoming anger is one way to begin the process of being a great friend. You know, it's no newsflash that friends make us happy. A professor at Northern Arizona University has drilled down to reveal exactly what it is about friendship that makes us happy. And they discovered that friendships actually warms our hearts. It turns out that it's companionship, doing things together. It's that component of friendship that most makes us happy. And the reason is, is that friends make us happy is because they make us feel that we matter, that we make a difference. In the 1960s, Jack Warner, who was the last of the five living Warner Brothers, sold his stock in Warner Brothers for $640 million. A reporter asked him, how many friends do you have in the world? He said, I don't have a single friend in the whole world. There's an example of a man who's very rich, but he was very poor. Everybody wants friends. Loneliness is rampant in our society. It's the number one emotional problem that we face. The top best-selling books of this century, next to the Bible, is this, how to win friends and how to influence people. Everybody wants to have friends. Everybody needs friends. You need friends. It's part of God's plan for our lives. You see, when God made the world, he put man in a perfect environment. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. How can something be not good in a perfect environment? Well, it's not good for man to be alone. You see, you and I need friends. You look through the Bible and you find great friendships like David and Jonathan. You see Jesus and his disciples. You see Paul and Barnabas. Even in our world today, uh, Lone Ranger and Tonto, right? Taking it back to a long time ago. You and I need friends and we want friends. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 19, a mirror reflects a man's face. But what he is really like is shown by the friends that he chooses. Friendship is not accidental. You can make a bad choice in friends and it'll harm you. Yes, it will. Have you ever seen anybody waste their life because they chose the wrong friends? 
Donnie Wayne Johnson, born 1949, is an American actor, a producer, a director, a singer, a songwriter. Uh, he's probably most famous for his role uh, on that 1980s television show, Miami Vice. Don Johnson's life in 1970 was a mess. He went through a 10-year self-destructive period of cocaine, booze. He wrecked a half a dozen cars. He later joined Alcoholics Anonymous and went clean in 1983. Somebody asked Don Johnson if he had any regrets. He said, yes, I regret wasting a lot of time with a bunch of jerks that I wish I hadn't spent 10 minutes now with, let alone 10 years. You see, we choose our friends. Our friends are really a reflection of who we are. You see, the fact is that God cares about the kind of friends you have. He wants you to have positive friendships. How do I have positive friendships? The Bible teaches us very clearly that the way to have good friends is this. The type of friend I am is the type of friend I will attract. In the book of Proverbs, there are six marks of a real friend. If you build these into your life, you will discover that you will attract these kind of people into your life. By the way, these are also six keys to a great marriage. Let me give them to you quick, and then I'll expound on them individually. Number one, good friends are committed. I must be committed to that person as a friend. Number two, good friends are considerate. I must take care about the needs of my friends, their values, their interests, their hurts. I must be forgiving. I'm considerate. Number three, good friends are confidential. You've got to learn to keep a secret if you're going to be a friend. Number four, a good friend is candid. I must be able to speak frankly and openly and honest with my friends and tell them the truth even when it hurts. Number five. I must be constructive. Good friends build up rather than tear down. That is a constructive friend, building up my life, not just telling me the bad of my life. Number six, I must be consistent. I must be loyal. That is dependable, reliable. Now, that's what it means to be a friend. That's what it means to have a great marriage. You have these in your life, these character traits. Well, let's look at them individually. I must be committed. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin. Ah, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Notice that phrase, a man of many companions. Now, it's not wrong to have a lot of friends. The point that he's making is simply this. Focus on quality, not quantity, when it comes to having friends. You can't have uh, this commitment to be a friend with everybody. So concentrate on quality. You know, there's a lot of levels of friendships. Uh, There's the acquaintances. Uh, I would call those the social media friends. There are companions. These are the people that you work with. Uh, These are the people that you play with. And then there's your genuine close friends. These are the ones that you have your major relationships with. You know, can you look at this and have friends and can you be popular and not have any close friends? Sure, your social life can prevent you from having deep relationships. Maybe you're too busy uh, trying to impress everybody so everything's on a superficial level so that you don't know anybody in death. But you need to have a friend that you're committed to. Somebody once said, I have met thousands of people, but one real friend 
is worth a thousand acquaintances. Somebody who hangs in there with you, stays with you. Proverbs 18.24 says, Some friendships don't last, but some friendships are more loyal than brothers. Don't you love that? Loyal means commitment. Friendship begins with commitment. In the Bible, they made covenants of friendships like Joseph and David and Jacob. How many committed friends do you have? More important, who are you committed to? Who knows that you are committed to them? That's the most important one of all. I must be committed. You don't need a lot of friends. You just need a few good ones. Number two, I must be considerate. Proverbs 19.22, friendliness bears fruit for a man. Kindness makes a man attractive. Man, do you want to be attractive? Kindness makes a man attractive, the Bible says. If you want to know who your friends are, just make a mistake. Our friend will never say things like, I told you so. I knew that was going to happen. How could you be so dumb? What a stupid thing to do. Real friends don't kick you when you're down. They're considerate. Proverbs 17.9 says that love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. I discovered that friends are good forgetters. They're not blind. They just choose to overlook some things. They're forgiving. They don't rub things in. They rub things out. They choose to overlook your faults. I saw a greeting card one day that said, You're a good egg, even if you're a little cracked. We're all a little bit cracked, aren't we? Friends are committed and friends are considerate. If you want to have friends that are considerate, treat people the way that you want to be treated. Here's the third thing that we notice about good friends. Good friends are confidential. Proverbs 11.13 says that a gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Can you keep a secret? I remember I was at a funeral of a very well-known pastor. If I mention this guy by name, most of you know who I'm talking about. But at the funeral of this pastor, one of the people who spoke at his funeral said, by a form of a question, I wonder how many secrets went to the grave with this pastor. In other words, this person knew that his friend who had passed away, who was a pastor of a very large ministry, knew how to keep a secret. He knew how to be confidential. Could that be said of you? I heard a humorous story about three pastors who were out fishing and said, let's all share our favorite sin. The one that's the biggest problem that we struggle with. Well, the first pastor said, my problem is greed. I love and I have a lust for money. The next pastor said, well, my problem is lust. I can't keep my eyes off of other women. The third pastor said, well, my problem is gossip. And I can't wait to go back and tell everybody what you've told me. Now you think about that. I've got to be committed. I've got to be confidential. I've got to be considerate. Our friend is one who can listen without having a burning desire to broadcast. Number four, I must be candid. Open, honest, frank. A true friend will level with you. He or she will will shoot straight with you. They'll tell you the truth, even when it's painful. This is very important because all of us have these blind spots in our lives. We need people who can tell us where we are blowing it. Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke 
than hidden love. Wounds of a friend can be trusted. You see, most of us don't have too many friends at this level. That's sad. Because in order for us to grow spiritually, we need people that can speak into our blind spots. We don't have everybody who who can deeply speak into our lives, but we should have a few people who care enough for us that they will tell us when we're blowing it. They will tell us when we're messing up our lives, when we're headed on the wrong track. Do you have anybody like that in your life who's got the freedom to come up to you and say, you're missing it. And I'm telling you this because I love you. In Proverbs 24, 26, it says, an honest answer is the sign of a true friendship. Friends are candid. Even when it's painful, they tell you the truth. You say, well, how should we be candid? Well, I think practicing uh, this common sense approach will help you. When you think about complimenting, always compliment in public, but you correct in private. Number two, you correct when people are up, not when they're down. When somebody's down at the, uh, at the bottom and the depths of despair, that's not a good time to kick them while they're down. When they're feeling good, they can handle it. But when they're feeling bad, you don't kick them while they're down. You correct them when they're up and you comfort them when they're down. Number three, you never correct a person until first you've proven that you're open to correction. Never rebuke your friend until you've first proven that you're open to a a rebuke from them about an area of your life that you might have a blind spot in. You see, so many people want to tell it like it is, but they don't want to hear it like it is. They want to spill their guts on somebody else, but they don't want anybody else speaking into their lives. This must be a two-way street. And if you got a good friend, that two-way street always works great. Well, we've learned so far that good friends are committed, they're confidential, they're considerate, they're candid. And number five, a good friend is a friend that is constructive. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, friends shape friends. That's the Knox translation. Friends shape friends. You see, most of the time, we are unaware of how much influence we have over other people. You have a tremendous influence over the lives of other people. You are shaping everyone that you come in contact with, and you are to be shaped by them. You're either building people up or you're tearing them down. You're either bringing healing to the people around you or you're hurting the people around you. That is involving your friends, but also your your husband, your wife, your kids, the people that you work with. A good friendship is always constructive. That is, they are always encouraging, lifting up our spirit. They build us up. They don't tear us down. At least your friends need to build you up. This is an enormous responsibility. The fact is that you are shaping the people around you. I'm shaping the people in my family, and they're shaping me. That is an incredible responsibility. As iron sharpens iron, friends shape friends. That's why the Bible says it's so important that we choose the type of friends that we have. Now, if I were to give you a homework assignment on this, uh, I would encourage you to look at all that the book of Proverbs says about friends. You know, 16 times in the book of Proverbs, it says, don't hang out with this kind of person. There are different kinds of people mentioned in the book of Proverbs that it says you shouldn't have them as close friends. Read the 31 chapters of Proverbs again and find these six references. 
And as you look at these six references, they're great for parents, they're great for bosses, they're great for employees, and uh, and these are really good points that show how a friend can be constructive, how a friend can build up one another, how a friend can raise up another person, help that person that has that low self-esteem. It was Emerson who said, a real friend makes us do what we can do. In other words, a real friend will push us in that right direction to do the things that we should do. You know, what is a real test of friendship? Is how do you handle your friend's successes? You know, when they got to do something that you didn't get to do, or maybe they got the promotion that you didn't get, or maybe they got to buy something that you didn't get to buy. You know, promotions can ruin a friendship. Do you get jealous of your friends? Do you secretly compete with them? A real friend will love you even when you're a success. A real friend will let you talk about your victories and they won't be thinking that uh, that you're bragging and trying to put them down. You see, the secret to having good friends and the secret to having a great marriage is be enthusiastic about the accomplishments of other people. That is a major key. Become a cheering uh, section. Become a fan club for your friends. Let people know that you're pulling for them. Because everybody else in this world is discouraging them, and they need a few encouragers in their lives. You see, if you learn to get excited about other people's successes, you'll have all the friends you could ever imagine. Well, we looked at the fact that friends are committed, friends are confidential, friends are considerate, friends are candid, friends are constructive, they build you up. And lastly, we learned that friends are consistent. Yes, consistent. I love that word consistent. When we think about consistency, we can sometimes learn what inconsistency does. An inconsistent friend is one that you can't count on. Proverbs 17, 17 says, you know, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. In other words, a friend can be counted on. A friend is dependable. A friend is in your corner when they see that you're cornered. Our friend will see you through when others can't see you at all or won't see you at all. Our friend walks in when everybody else is walking out. They stand with you through thick and thin. Once in a while, I heard somebody I hear somebody say something like, I'm a friend of so-and-so, and I know they've got a problem with another person. And then they say in a real pious tone, but I'm just not going to take sides. Now, that sounds real pious. So I'm not going to take sides. I know they're in conflict with that person. Yeah, listen, let me tell you something about friends. Friends take sides. They stand with people through thick and thin. That's what it means to be a friend. It means to be consistent. It says at all times. If you're consistent, you stand by your friends at all times, even when it's inconvenient, even when they don't deserve it, even when it's at great personal cost to you. You know, one of the things I tell the people that join Hickory Ridge Community Church in our membership classes, I tell them, I said, when you join Hickory Ridge Community Church, I make a commitment to you, and I ask you to make this commitment to me. I says, I will not talk about you in a negative way to anybody else. If I have a problem with you, I'm going to come to you. I says, you can count on me to be consistent. I am your number one cheerleader. If I have a problem with you, I won't talk about you. I will come to you. And I ask them in return to do the same thing for me. Did you know most church splits and schisms come from a misunderstanding where somebody said something derogatory about another person and they didn't have all that fact straight and it began to spread like wildfire? 
Listen, I want you to know that you should be a consistent friend, a friend that loves at all times. I think one of the real barriers to friendship is busyness, right? We're so busy uh, with our lives. Uh, We're so busy. We just don't have the time to have any close friends. But I want you to know, if you're too busy for friendships, you're too busy. If you say, I don't have any time to develop my strong, close friendships, I want you to know that you're out of the will of God. God wants you to have friendships, close ones that will build you up, and sometimes they will have to confront you. Friends that will encourage you spiritually, and friends sometimes that will talk to you when you get off track spiritually. God wants you to be a consistent friend. So I want to give you a challenge as we close out our time. As we look at these six points, ask yourself, am I a committed friend? Am I a considerate friend? Am I a confidential friend? Can I keep a secret? Am I a candid friend? Am I able to confront people that I love, that are my friends, when they're blowing it? Am I a constructive friend? Do you constructively build up those who are around you? Or are you always the negative Nancy, always tearing them down? Are you trying to shape people by building them up? And then lastly, ask yourself, am I a consistent friend? Are you loyal? Oh, I want to encourage you today. If you are lacking friends, the Bible says that he that hath friends must show himself to be a friend because there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you so much for joining me today on the broadcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.